Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francois Evans. What up? Everyone, it is finally here, the weekend that everyone has been waiting for, a culmination of so many things, 11 years in the making in so many different ways. Uh, This weekend, Avengers Endgame came out, and as we speak, the premiere of the Battle of Winterfell on Game of Thrones happened simultaneously in the same weekend of epic proportions. I'm surprised the universe didn't explode. This is insanity. And, Fran, you've done neither of them yet, have you? No. Well, one of them I'm not going to do, especially, so... Oh, okay. No, well, fair enough. You don't, need to, you don't need to continue to slander. Okay. Um, but, uh, yes, anyway, uh, Avengers Endgame came out. Apparently, it made a billion dollars already, or some mm. kind of crazy number. Uh, it's it's mind-blowing. I, I mean, the movie was great, but it, it really... Three days for to make a billion dollars worldwide is nuts. Shattered all the records. Great mm-hmm. movie. I cried. Uh, fa- fantastic film. And I assume the Battle of Winterfell was amazing. I don't know yet because we're still about four hours out from that. It, we're recording on a Sunday, mm-hmm. so it's not it's not come on yet. But I assume it will contend pretty well with uh, the amazingness that was Avengers Endgame. Uh, Game of Thrones did promise. Now, they promised this before Avengers Endgame came out this weekend. They said that this episode, the battle in this episode that comes on tonight mm-hmm. and has also already premiered as you guys are listening, will be the biggest battle and longest battle in television and, and film history. Mm-hmm. I would have agreed with that until I saw Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know, they might need to recalculate that statement. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's still true. But I have not seen the Game of Thrones episode yet. So okay. all I'm going to say is if it if it tops what, what happened in Endgame... Mm-hmm. It is, you need to watch this. I'll play the episode of Game of Thrones for you, even without okay. context, because it, it will be amazing if it tops what happened in Endgame. Okay. 
Uh, but that's enough of that nerd talk. Um, Fran, what's going on with you? How's your weekend been so far? Well, it's the My end of the week weekend. has been yeah. great because I haven't been to work. So, oh yeah, you've been off all week. Been off all week. Oh yeah, just living. So I just been uh traveling. Well, not I guess a little bit of traveling. Went to New York. Went to DC. Okay, talk your shit. Okay, just, uh, okay, Jet just Setter. staying a little close, but um, back to work tomorrow. Hey, man, that's how it goes, man. Sucks, yeah. man. For some of us. Um, <laughs> uh, no, um, um, my weekend has been rolling along pretty good. Friday, we went to a lovely restaurant in uh, in in the city called Cosima. is a like a traditional Italian restaurant mm-hmm. in this really cool industrial building. And you know, uh, our, our our server Catalina was fresh from Italy, mm-hmm. had an accent, was telling us the good vinos to get. Um, got some squid ink pasta. Uh, just, just living a decadent life, you know. Squidding pasta, squidding pasta. I mean, the squid ink isn't the basically the noodles are black. Oh. It's no squid ink like uh, as the sauce. The noodles are just black. Oh, right. I assume they use squid ink to make the noodles black, but they might that might just be what they call them. Squid ink pasta. Squidding pasta. Oh, yes. okay. I thought you said something else. What do you think? I, I just said squidy, squidy pasta. Squidy pasta. Yeah. I didn't know you nah, said squid ink pasta. Yeah, squiddy, okay. squiddy pasta sounds like a super hood dish that I don't want to even. Yeah. I don't even want to. I had know a buddy that named Squiddy. Maybe had spam in it or something. Squiddy. Yeah. I don't think I meant squiddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, today, uh, fresh from this, uh, we went to uh, Fogo de Show, mm-hmm. um, Meet Heaven. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you've, have you been. I've been there. Yeah. Oh man, mm-hmm. you, you flip that little sign over, and it's just you know they're coming through, sing, 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 slicing that meat off on the thing. Yeah, the salad bar's divine. So I am downtown. Uh, yeah, uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I am fighting back the meat sweats as we speak because, mm-hmm. as you know, I mean, I'm, I probably ingested about ten pounds of meat, yeah. steak and chicken and pork of mm-hmm. all types of things, and uh, it was delicious, but it, it's painful. It's it's a painful fight. Mm-hmm. It's nothing more um, that that makes me feel like a disgusting awful american more than being in pain because i ate so much food mm. it's one of the more gluttonous I mean, you forcing yourself to eat the rest i of wouldn't food? even say for i guess kind of because you're like i mean i guess i'm full oh my god bacon wrapped steak and then you get some of that and then you're like i, couldn't, I couldn't possibly eat another ba- uh, another bite of garlic chicken oh and then you get some of that you know it's like so many because they're coming around and then you flip the red sign and you think you're done and they go mm-hmm. here are the lamb chops and you go right, i'll flip it back over to green let me get some of that too and you're like you're you know oh, I'm so full, but you know yeah. you 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 want to eat all the delicacies that they have. <laughs> so I wouldn't say force. You like you want it, mm-hmm. but your body doesn't want it anymore. You're fighting your body. Mm-hmm. Your mind is fighting your body. Um, and um, for anyone who doesn't know, my birthday is on Tuesday the thirtieth. Mm-hmm. So this was like a birthday kind of event. Got a blender. So it's basically Margarita Thirty all summer at my mm-hmm. house. It's gonna be lit. Uh, that was a gift. Or it was a gift. Yeah, oh, daiquiri okay. drinks can make soups in it. All kind of things like mm. that. I I've been making a soup lately, a sweet potato coconut soup. So uh, it's been one of my favorite things to make. And I was making it in the Nutribullet. Takes up a lot of time because mm-hmm. it's small. Yeah. So I got a big blender so I can put all the shit in there and mm-hmm. blend it up and make it all at one time. So came through very clutch. Shout out to the fam on that one. Um, so my weekend was great. Mm. Uh, but uh, as far as current event things. I wanted to touch on really quickly um, this week, uh, either Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, John William King, the man who was uh, accompanied to tying James Byrd Jr. to his car and dragging him until he died in affirmative murder I did a couple of months ago. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, he was executed this week. Yeah. Uh, I've made my stance on um, the death penalty pretty clear, um, but I'll state it again. I don't believe in the death penalty because I think that statistically there are a lot of people in jail for crimes they didn't commit. So I think 
casting a blanket execution penalty like that, where if you are found guilty of this crime in a, in a system that doesn't always get it right and then death is on the line, I don't think that's right. If you've been proven to be the sick animal monster that the world says that you are for the crimes that you did and you're on the death penalty, I mean, you're on the like death row, mm-hmm. I don't have any sympathy for those people. It's not a sympathy-driven thing, except for the fact that I think there are people who are in prison that are wrongfully convicted. Mm. But uh, a person like Ted Bundy or, 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 or Jeffrey Dahmer or any of, anybody like that who's been proven it's factual, it's no debate that they murdered a bunch of people, I won't, bat a, you know, I won't shed a tear for them being murdered. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, don't really, I don't really have any sympathy for them. Same with this man. I, I don't have any sympathy for him. I do. I'm not a fan of the death penalty, but I'm not going to say, well, nobody, you know, I, I'm, 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 nobody should die. Yeah. I think this person did something awful. And, I mean, universally, I think, you know, he doesn't deserve to live because he's a piece of shit. I mean, but with the system decides to do with him i'm i'm not gonna fight them on I, I, but like i wish nothing but negative negativity on people who do terrible things to people but the death penalty is still something i'm not super a big fan of uh but anything else you wanted to cover before we jump into these good vibes i don't really i think i you know i don't, I don't there's always a ton of shit going on in the world we could talk about joe biden uh another shooting center in the senegal yeah yeah I, um that happened in Poway, California. Uh, an assault-style rep- weapon was used to do that. I think one person was dead and two people were injured. But it's like, it's just another day in America at this point yeah. with that. You know, mm-hmm. so I, it's like, as sad as it is, I'm not desensitized to it or anything like that. But it's like, I mean, what is, you know, what is talking about it? It doesn't, it, it doesn't seem to do anything. So yeah. um, and, and instead of going into it and getting depressed and being sad and being talking about how we can't really like you can't go anywhere which we've said a thousand times how it feels like that us i don't even why well, go into it you know we it's been said um so instead of that let's do the opposite of that and let's jump into these good vibes Ha-ha. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes, the part in the show where we just try to put a little sun on those clouds if you got them in your life. And if you're already happy, we're going to try to make you double happy, like that Pharrell song. Uh, Fran, you got something for me already? Or oh, you yeah. Go first? Okay, cool. Go ahead. My Good Vibe this week is about um, Canadian researchers have developed a new treatment for, mo- for mobility-impaired Parkinson's disease oh. patients, and the results are being there, and the results are beyond their wildest dreams. Okay. So scientists from Western University in Ontario recently published the results of a pilot study in which they used spinal implants to improve motor function in, the several, in several patients with advanced Parkinson's. Mm. Prior to the study, the patients were barely able to stand on their own without falling over or they were forced to depend entirely on wheelchairs for, for mobility. Mm. After, getting, <coughs> excuse me, after getting the spinal implant, however, the patients are now capable of walking unassisted for the first time in years. The implants work by using electric, electrical stimulation to reconnect the brain's motor signal signals with the spinal cord. Sounds you know, really very, yeah, very advanced. Yeah. yeah, researchers managed to reforge these neural pathways by keeping the implants activated for one to two, no, for one to four months, mm. even after the implants were turned off patients continue to experience improved motor functions. Professor Madur Jog of Western University says the witnessing 
that witnessing the success of the procedure has been awe-inspiring. Most of our patients have had the disease for 15 years and have not walked with any confidence for several years, which sounds mind-blowing to me. Yeah, man. Parkinson's is a son of a bitch. Yeah. For them to go from being homebound with the risk of falling to being able to go on trips to the mall and having vacations is remarkable for me to, for me to see. The researchers are now recruiting 25 more patients to participate in a larger clinical study on the implant's success. The trial is expected to conclude by April 2020. And the reason why I've done this story, when I read this, um, I actually talked to my dad. Shout out to my pops. Um, great man. Very great man. Um, Legend. Yeah. Um, I wish I was half the man that he is. Yes. He called me the other day. He has a Corvette, which is his sports car. And a guy had Parkinson's that hit his car. Oh, wow. Yeah, hit his, hit the front of his car. And then he said that when he's, the guy got out, um, he had Parkinson's. So he was, like, shaking like Yeah, like this for dude, sure. Probably like eighty, like eighty something year old man. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be on the street at for all sure, driving. For sure, but um, the guy he said the guy told him like, hey, you know, um, I'll give you my information. When my dad said, no, just you're not supposed to be driving. You're sick. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Just get home. Just yeah, let me know when you get home so I know you're safe. Wow. So I thought that was you know crazy. My dad's a good person, so very commendable. I wasn't no. um surprised that he does something like that, but just for him to be like, don't worry, this car is just a car. Don't yeah. worry about this car. Wow. You get home safe. Yeah, no, so super shout out to crazy. Mr. Roger because yeah. uh, that exact same thing happened to me, and I filed all the paperwork <laughs> to get every dime I could get out of that for sure. No, I went to physical therapy and everything like that. No, I got I got rear-ended <laughs> by a man who was comfortably in the billions. Uh, uh, I mean, he was old as shit, uh, and he rear-ended me, and, you know, I liked it. I'd like to say I was Mr. Roger-esque in the moment, but I was like... <laughs> Nah, man, I'm calling your insurance company. <laughs> I need I need to get my coins, sir. Uh, <laughs> the guy clearly had lived a long, you know, fruitful <laughs> life. He had a nice car. I was like, you know, man, I uh, why should I have to suffer? My car's damaged now and be nice. You lived a nice life, man. Yeah. Let, me, let me get my coins. I, I, I got to get my coins. I don't think that should justify your decision. <laughs> he decided to hit me. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be like, it's cool, man. My back hurts, but like, you know, you're old. So it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, for you listeners out there that hear the story that he's telling, Telling. He called me like I maybe like an hour after this happened. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so what yeah. happened? Get into the bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's a friend. Wow. It's, a, it's, a, it's a come up. <laughs> we made it. Hey, friend. We made, oh, we made God. it. <laughs> That's funny. Say, hey, friend. Hey, look, man. We made it. I'm going to hit you back. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a shout out to Virgil, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, my good vibes this week is uh, earlier this week, a man got a job after uh, an uh, encounter with a police officer turned into something very fruitful for him. So a young man in uh, Cahokia, Illinois, started a, new jo- started a new job this week, and he has a police officer to thank him for his interview, for getting him to his interview. Uh, Kashawn Baldwin, who is 22 years old, was pulled over last week by Officer Roger Gamolez for expired plates, which, you know, oh, is such a story. I think it was on Twitter. I think something like that. might have been, yeah. you know, I, I, I try to, you know, for as much we give, you know, police interactions shit a lot because mm-hmm. where we're from is, is kind of the stigma. And we've had our own experiences with cops that kind of just come at you with already a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to hear ones of just positive. I try to get one out there whenever mm-hmm. I can, when I see a really good one and one that's not like, not that it's baity or like, uh, or, or not that it's clickbaity or pandering, but whenever I see like, uh, oh, somebody magically caught a video, of this cop playing 
basketball with these yeah. six-year-olds. It's like, all right, man. I mean, this is. I feel like sometimes those are like um, uh, tactics to get their reputation back to the better, to a good, to the good side, mm-hmm. you know. But sometimes it's just a cop just being like pulling up and let me get a shot off, and it turns into a fun little thing. But sometimes it feels a little staged. But other times, it's really genuine moments happen like this yeah. one. So, uh, so like I said, Kashan was 22 years old. He got pulled over by a cop for having expired pl- uh, plates, and a, and his driver's license wasn't valid anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, he told Gamolez that he had a job interview and didn't have any other way to get there. Instead of giving him tickets, Gamolez drove him to his interview, and he got the job. Francella Jackson, uh, assistant to the mayor, Curtis McCall, Jr., posted the story on Facebook and said, On behalf of Mayor Curtis McCall Jr., I would like to thank Officer Gamulez for showing compassion and being a great example of how community-oriented policing actually works. And I want to give a shout-out to him, too, because I feel like um, I'm young, and but I've lived in neighborhoods as a young person where um, we had cops who looked like us in our neighborhoods, lived in our neighborhoods, and it felt almost like a, a cousin or an uncle. They knew you by your name. They you, Even if they gave you a little shit, it would be like, just go home. Mm-hmm. You know, or like, get out of the street. But it wasn't a, uh, a militaristic type of, hey, you, I don't know. I'm coming at you with, adre- with aggression, not with an ounce of love. Mm-hmm. Do what I say because I'm saying it or I'm going to lock you up. You know what I mean? Whereas I've known cops. I've been, I've, I went to Powell Centers a lot as a kid. I've known cops that would, you know, threaten to t- call your mom, you know, mm-hmm. which is how you treat a kid. You know, like even a kid who's being a dick, meeting that aggression with aggression, like I'm going to slam your face on a police car or anything like that to a 13, 14, 15 year old kid is, is insane to me. You know, I think that when you see videos like that and when people question they want to see the whole video or whatever. It's like, mm. no, this cop is wrong, man. Like, it doesn't matter what happened. This, this fifth, this is a fifteen-year-old kid. If the kid swung on him, if the kid grabbed him, if the kid smart-mouthed him, it's like, why would you treat a kid like that? Yeah. It doesn't matter what he did. You, you grab that kid, you neutralize him, which you should be able to do if you're a police officer. You neutralize the kid, put him in cuffs if you need to. But this whole like rubbing kids faces in the ground and yeah. slamming them and all this kind of stuff it's like bro it's just not it's just not necessary yeah. I seen a video I think recently you might have seen it too it was like the guy was like the police was like back up and he was like what did I it, to me like he was saying what What am I doing what am I doing wrong like uh-huh. what did I do and he like sprayed him with the fucking pepper spray mm-hmm. and then and just like, like I Slammed him on the ground. It's like three of y'all. Yeah. Banged his head against the ground and then punched him. It was like damn. Yeah, it's a lot less de-escalation going on um, in this country and more of their job is to like just neutralize the situation yeah. not calm everybody down just stop the situation yeah. from happening and I I commend a cop who goes you treat me with respect I'm gonna treat you back with right. respect and even go a step further and you treat me with respect and I appreciate that you treat me with respect I'm gonna do a kindness for you because we're both human beings yeah. I'm not a I'm a cop. I'm a cop. I'm a police officer, but I'm a person too, and you're a person, and we're having a good interaction. Oh, well, you can't drive this car anymore. That's illegal. I'm sorry, I can't let you do that. But you need to get to a job interview. I can tell you need this job, man. Hop in the car. I'll take you to the job. Right. I think that is that's how all police officers should be. But what happens is a lot of times is the police officers that are like that, and they see negative shit going on. If they even seem like they're going against the status quo, mm-hmm. they will be pushed out of. Out of out of uh out of precincts, 
get be forced to quit because everybody's treating them like shit. All the other police officers like, oh, you're not going along with the vibes here. That's crazy. You know, we it's it's the blue wall over mm-hmm. here, and it's us against the world. And if you're a person that's like, well, hey man, like maybe you shouldn't punch people in the mouth. Yeah. Nah, man, get him out of here because he doesn't. He's gonna get me shot or he what. Whatever kind of thing like that, and they push those type of people out because mm-hmm. that's not what they want. They want guys that are like sunglasses on, yeah. arms folded, mm-hmm. don't talk to me. You want to stick your hand out and shake a cop's hand. How you doing, officer, today? I don't know why you pulled me over, but how you doing? I'm Alvin. I don't got time for that. Driver's and leg- registration. Don't talk to me. Just give me what I said give me. Yeah. And it's like, why do why do interactions need to go like that? And they I've, don't done need- a, I've done a story. I read a story like this. I mean, not like this, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're not following what the other cops are doing, we gonna get you out of here. Yeah, you're. Like, yeah, you're. You're. You are. Uh, you are like um, ostracized. Like you get yeah. get. A, you're not on our page, yeah. so you can't just exist in here and mm-hmm. be a nice cop amongst us cops being badass cops yeah. and being tough and all this kind of stuff. You can't just be a nice cop. You are a problem. We don't like you, yeah. so we we're gonna get you transferred. And you're then putting us yeah. in harm's way, basically. That's yeah, that's their mic because you're not. You wouldn't. You wouldn't choose to shoot a kid. Because it looked like he might have a gun, even if yeah. if it's a cell phone. That's what they want. They, mm-hmm. I understand wanting to go home at the end of the day, but if you're leaving with the mentality of like it's us against them, and if they move on me the wrong way or look at me the wrong way, they're gonna get dealt with. I think it's very, it's scary. Yeah, it's really scary. Especially, we kind of have bias because we're from here. I mean, mm-hmm. the police system in this city is. I mean, I know that I know police officers that are like family members and all this kind of stuff, and they're nice people. But um, the the system here is terribly corrupt, it, and it, so um, I have a lot of just bad experience and and stigmas and stories secondhand, firsthand of situations where it's just like don't interrupt, don't interact with the police. Yeah. Like it's just don't. it's like when you get getting pulled over, it's just like I got pulled over the other day. It's like oh shit, it's nerve wracking. It's never. I would love to be one of those middle-aged moms from, like, Wisconsin that gets pulled over by the cops and it's like, what the fuck did you just pull me over yeah. for? As, as as opposed to, like, my heart racing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, sh- man, let me hit, put my wallet on the dashboard yep. and put my hands on the steering wheel and yep. roll the window down before he gets over here so it's mm-hmm. no, I don't want to do anything wrong, mm-hmm. make sure the car's turned off, I make sure I do everything properly yeah. so there's no reason for him to think I'm going to drive away yep. or, or, or I'm reaching for something and it's the wrong, th- nothing, yeah. you know? And I'm actually pretty, I was thinking about this yesterday and sad that I got to think about this kind of stuff but as you know I'm getting a new car mm-hmm. and I've been riding around in a Chevy Cobalt for the past eight years or so and mm-hmm. it's kind of like it could be an old woman's car it could be a, it's no it's a it's a it's a very nondescript car that would get no attention mm-hmm. the newer car that I'm getting is a little higher profile mm-hmm. and I really have a genuine fear that like you see a young black dude riding in a nicer car yeah. and it's like oh what what does he do mm-hmm. you know whatever you ride around the base is knocking a little bit they go oh let's, let's just pull it this guy might have something on him yeah. I feel like my police interactions are going to go up because I'm not in a beater car anymore mm-hmm. you know and that's something and it's sad I, why should you have to think about something like that when you mm-hmm. something cool's happening you get in a new car it's like well is this going to bring like more attention to me now yeah that's how it is it's, it's like when I got pulled over I text Steph immediately like look I took a picture like it I just got pulled over yeah then I had Sophia with me so it was like I was like, oh shit! I just don't even want to. Yeah. Roll the windows down. I'm my windows down. But yeah. can I put my windows up because it's cold? I'm not, I'm not gonna have my child getting cold out. Right. Here. Right. He's like, yeah, roll the windows up, and it was just he was a cool dude. Right. But, you know, still, I mean, yeah. he was a black guy, but still, you know, I just it still makes me nervous. For sure. It's crazy, it man. But um, this this cop t- took this kid to his job interview. Mm-hmm. This kid, Kashan, he got the job, and uh, I'm happy to say that this kid, this uh, uh Baldwin, um. The, the police described him as a... He said he was a, he was very polite when he pulled him over. This is what um, the police officer, Gamula, mm-hmm. said. 
He said he was very polite when I pulled him over because, of course, he was. He was a young black dude. I don't know. I don't know any. I don't. Unless you are a like, uh, we know. We even know dudes like this. Unless you're like so the other side of the, um, because there's a you know there's a uh, like a graph of like. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle. You're kind of just like an average everyday person. And then you're like super rich and you might be kind of addicted to cops. And then, but on the other end of that spectrum where it's like you do so much dirt that it's like, fuck the police, period. I don't care. Any interaction. You pulled me over. It's like, man, what? You know, no matter what. We're in the middle. So I would assume this kid to be in the middle too and did what we just said we did. I don't want to die. So here's my wallet is on the dashboard. My registration is I'm not reaching. I'm not, not, I'm not. It will be a cold day in hell that I would flip down my glove box with a police officer standing yeah. right next. It, 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 would, it would be a. It's already out. And I, I'm not reaching for anything. You ask first. I'm like, can I open this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. or yeah, or or, or that, yeah. or I'm doing the very. What What do you want me to do? I'm never making any sudden moves, or so I would assume Kashan to be in the same position that we feel like we need to be mm-hmm. in. Where it's like, of course he was polite because it's, there's a fear there. So, yes, I'm sure he was very polite. But anyway, he said he was very polite, very kind young man, so I wanted to give him a chance. Uh, he said, I knew if I gave him a bunch of tickets and towed his car, it would be too much for him to recover from. So, like I said, he took him to the job. He got the job interview. He got it. And Baldwin's new job is with FedEx. So even though, wow. you know, it's, it's gang gang, you know, it's mm-hmm. postal gang, but we don't congratulate the young man for getting a job. Still, you know, congratulations to him. Uh-huh. But it's clearly postal gang over here period so uh but you know fedex is cool it's cool i suppose uh he got a job at fedex and so that is now his second job on top of his job that he already has at mcdonald's mm, he better quit mcdonald's job you think so yeah that fedex job is taxing huh yeah. like you don't really have a flexible schedule semi, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah well um, the, money's good, be- the money's better yeah the money's better you know you don't want you know you know you know I, no disrespect to McDonald's. I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, uh, McDonald's is a job. You great. You work it. It's great. Yeah, it's Mikey butthurt. Yeah, I don't. Like, excuse me. I work at McDonald's. It's like my bad, man. Never mind. Yeah, McDonald's is great. It's a yeah. great job. Um. So uh. Yeah, that was my good vibes. Uh, I know I went into kind of some tangents, but some topics we talk about on here, no matter how good the story is, it's gonna be to me a drop in a bucket of mm. like this is cool, but it bring it's like uh, this shouldn't be cool. Yeah. This should just be the norm. I would like to get to a point in the world where if you see a cop being a ni- nice to a person, that's not like, whoa, hey, this guy went viral this week. Got a million views when he helped somebody change their tire on their car. It's like, you're you know, you're like, you're supposed to help the community. You know, yeah. I don't understand why that's like the shocking thing. Yeah. You know, as it's, a, you know. It's, it's a, a video going viral for a police, police officer playing basketball. Like you said. Yeah. The videos is hit Oh, police officer hits a step back jumper. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like this should be dang. like this should be like <laughs> every day. Yeah, the ones that should be shocking still, and not we should not be numb to them are the ones where kids are getting flipped upside down, people are getting murdered. Yeah. But that happens so much now that it's like oh, yeah. I don't even want to watch. Why well, I'm I'm not bringing this into my life again. Yep. I've seen a million of these. I'm over it. I would like to get to a place someday in the future, hopefully the near future, where it reverses because it's getting to a point. There's so many. There's so much stuff happening in the world right now. That every once in a while I have a genuine thought of like, do I want to bring a kid into this world? Yeah. Like the planet is dying. Mm. Pol- I'm black. There's police killing people. There's the, the government is out of whack, you know, and it's just insane. And they're making all kind of, you know, just decisions that are terrible for the planet in the long run. And do I want to bring somebody in the world to inherit that mess? I have that thought more often 
than I thought I would as I get older. Where it's like, I mean, sure. yeah, I get it, but it's like you can't let that. You can't. You can't. I understand. I understand that. I understand what you're saying, but it's like. But I get. I totally the thought is there. I'm not from. saying yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, want to have kids, yeah. but I'm just like, man, I like understand. it will be. Uh, you know, I, the like you hear about. Oh, we're at a point now. If you, we don't do anything in the next ten years, then there's no fixing the planet. And it's like, yeah. well, we're not gonna do that. So you know. It doesn't, so it's over, you know, like it's a wrap, the planet. So, you know, maybe my kids won't be terribly affected, but maybe the kid that I bring into the world, their kids yeah, yeah, yeah. Will, will, will be living in a smog covered where you got to wear mask and it's like fucking the book of Eli. You know, I don't, I, so you, I think about that, my legacy of like yeah. some kid that looks just like me, named like uh, some kind of variation of my name, Albert, in, in, uh-huh. in 70 years, uh-huh. like living in a city that crops can't grow and it's, it's smog and dusty and all this type of shit, some kind of post-apocalyptic shit. And it's like, shit, man, like, do I want to contribute to that? But but then also you see the video of like a kid uh, pretending to be Randy Macho Man Savage and their dad choke slams him on the bed and it's like, man, I want a kid. Yeah. You know, so it's, I understand... Uh, that you can't let that dictate what you're going to do mm-hmm. because you have to, you know, follow your happiness and if that's what you want to yeah. do in life. But um, When you have one, man. Exactly. It's very true. But I don't... I'm also on that same spectrum. It's like, I don't understand people that have, like, eight kids. Yeah. Oh. Because it's no. like you're overpopulating the planet. Like, that's way too many kids. Like, uh, it's just so many kids, man. Yeah, like, why? Too, why? I have one and you hit me on the game, like... Yeah. Like, <laughs> Please, <laughs> let me be... <laughs> I couldn't, imagine, I couldn't imagine being that arrogant nah. to think like, man, you know what the world needs? Eight knees. Nah, bro. They need eight. Because, like, I mean, I think I'm a, I think I'm a person who could really give, like, some gems to a kid. and yeah. grow, to The arrogance to be like, you know what the world needs is, like, ten of my influences. Nah. That people that think just like me walking around in the world. That's crazy. I, I just I just, I I just think, think that's wild. I think two or three is pushing me. Yeah, I mean I, I, <laughs> I think I was only I was an only child and I was just fine. It, yeah. it it taught me to be social and it taught me to be a person who doesn't need to be social. Like mm-hmm. I'm social but I don't need to be social because right. I can just chill on my own. I think that's great. Um having a sibling is cool. Having nine siblings is wild to me. Yeah. That's that is <laughs> wild to me. They have like you have eight brothers and sisters, yeah. like it's just too much. But no, I'm not no not not child shaming. If you have <laughs> if you're listening to this and you have eight kids, shout out to you. Do your thing. That is a lot. Sorry. You're saying that's a lot, man. I mean, how do you how do you have money? You don't. How do you have time? You don't have either of those things. You don't have money or time. It's too much. You man. live on some kind of weird life where you got scheduled with magnets in it and it's like this is at three fifteen and then at three twenty this nope. kid has to be here and then at three twenty eight this it's like, man, no, man, I value my time too much, man. I'm living in the best moment of my life right now. I get to travel. I have disposable income. And one kid would change that a lot, and I'm cool with that. Eight kids would be like, oh, you don't, you're not a person anymore. No. You're just a vehicle for eight people where yeah. it's like, I take you here. I feed you food. Yep. I go to work to make money to give to y'all, and yep. nothing is for me. I'm just a machine now. Yeah. <sighs> no. <laughs> no, thank you. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, let, uh, let's uh, stop uh, child shaming for a second. Um, uh, today is a very beautiful day. It's a little windy. Um, it's one of my one of the first beautiful days of spring to me in a while. It hasn't really crept up to the seventies like that, but today is has been one of those days. So I want to take us out to "Build Me Up Buttercup" by the Foundations. It's just a fun little uh, you know sunny weather song. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit finally. So stick around. Let me down. Let me down. I'm messing. 
watch your leg I wait around and then I run to the door I can't take anymore It's not you You let me down again All right, and we are back. Friend, my affirmative murder this week is a bit of a doozy. It's pretty insane. I'm pretty excited to see your reaction to this nutso story. Mm -hmm. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of Amelia Dyer. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, no nickname. I don't have a nickname for her. But, uh, so. E. Huh? My name is E. E? Yeah. Well, it starts with an A. So oh. um, you, could call, you could call her Amelia, you know. You call her Lady Di. She's Hispanic or where she's from? Um, uh, she looks like she's like you know a Pol Polish or something. Okay. You know, some right. kind of, yeah. uh, <clears throat> but she's 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 like from England, so hmm. she's some kind of English woman. Uh, Amelia Dyer was a baby farmer. Hmm. I don't know uh, what that is. Well, you're about to find out. Okay. Uh, in 1800s Victorian England, unwed mothers could pay midwives and more well-off people to take care of their babies in exchange for payment. Depending on the health of the child or the involvement of the father, the price could reach up to 80 euros. Or pounds. I don't know what that little squiggly L is with the line. I'm from, I do dollars. Uh, most of the time, the baby farmers would place the babies in a new home under loving care. Sometimes they would return the babies to the mothers once they were more financially stable. Sometimes? Sometimes. Mm. So it's almost like baby layaway. Like, you know, okay. uh, oh, I can't really afford this baby right now. I'm going to... Put it aside, hold on to it for me, and then when I get right, I'll come get the baby back. Mm. Sometimes, though, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes people just never came back for their kid. Mm. Uh, and sometimes, as in the case of Amelia Dyer, they would brutally murder them and use their deaths for personal financial gain. Amelia Dyer wasn't always a murderer, though. She was born into a large family outside of Bristol, was well-educated, and often spent time reading literature and poetry. She was also a natural caretaker. Her mother developed typhus when Amelia was a child and, is soon, and soon succumbed to, the fit, to fits and bouts of extreme mental instability. Mm. Amelia cared for her until her death in 1848, after which she lost contact with most of her family and, and married George Thomas, a man 35 years her senior. So she went and locked up a little old man, you know. Mm -hmm. you know I don't know. I, I don't think he had money, which is like... That's Why are you going to marry an older person if they're not financially stable? Yeah. I feel like that's the benefit. Like, if there's a pros and cons list, it's like, cons, you got to eat dinner at 2.30. Uh, pro, <laughs> pros, you don't have to worry about paying bills ever mm -hmm. again for the rest of your life, you know? Cons, they smell like icy hot. Mm -hmm. Pros, uh, they don't have teeth, so that can benefit you very well in the bedroom. Uh, cons, mm, they have ankle bands on, and that's kind of weird. And <laughs> But pros... Um, they usually drive very, very big, strong, sturdy cars, mm -hmm. like a Cadillac made of all metal. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, you know, on the pros and cons list, money, if you're going to date a person 40 years older than you, should be like, that's number one reason you should do it. Yeah. Not love. <laughs> you should love someone who's 40 years older than you. That's so silly. Um, uh, so, yeah, the pair had one child together before the elderly Thomas died. So he died, like, immediately after they had a child together, left her alone with the child. And no money. Uh, finding herself single with a newborn baby, Dyer desperately needed income. 
During her marriage, she had trained as a nurse with a midwife who had taught her about baby farming. However, Dyer would take it one step further. She began placing advertisements in local, pla in local papers claiming to be a respectable married woman who would provide a safe and loving home for her, their children. She would then demand a substantial one-time payment in exchange for her services. However, rather than spend the money on the child and feeding and caring for them, Dyer realized there was an easier way to pocket the money, getting rid of the children. So originally she would overdose the babies using an opioid solution meant to calm crying infants. So the fact that... Man, so we, she was putting the ad in for being a babysitter? No, she was being a baby farmer who was like... I don't know if it's like, you know, they did the format of like uh, former mills or some kind of uh -huh. used car dealership where it's like, we're taking babies left and right. You know, bring down your used babies as soon as you can. We're, uh -huh. we're, we're slashing prices left and right. You come here, you pay me, and I'll just give me your kid. Got the dance inflatable man outside. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those kind of things. You know, it's like, it's, these prices are so wacky, the guy behind me can't stop dancing. It's a big green thing with squiggly hair on it, and she's just taking your babies left and right. You pay me, and... I'll take your child from you, and if you want, it'll be a, in a loving home. And if you want, you can come back and get the kid eventually. So I'll I'll hold the baby until baby you can afford to to take care back. of your baby again. Okay, All I right. think I mean, I think a lot of these teen moms and stuff could use a system like this as long as they weren't murdering people. You know, like I mean, some of these women out here, they in order to take care of a kid or because of the stress of taking care of a kid that they're struggling to do, they turn to drugs to ease their stresses or they turn to like sex work to make money that they wouldn't be able to make as fast and as much to take care of the, their responsibilities. So instead of that, it's like, you're 16, how about you, how about you get an abortion for one? But you know, like if you are a person who doesn't want to have an abortion, you have the kid and if you can't handle it, you go to this baby farm. I, ideally, this is- this. I mean, this sounds like a babysitter slash- um, what are they called? Where they have the kids there? Uh, orphanage? Not orf or it is like an orphanage. Yeah. It's essentially an orphanage, yeah. yes. But they're not orphaned because they are giving them away. As opposed to just like uh, driving somewhere and dumping your kid on the side of the road, uh. this is like the quote-unquote humane way of giving up your child. Mm. You know, because an orphanage is full of kids that just like didn't don't have parents. Yeah. You know, these are like, no, 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 I paid to give my kid to somewhere else. Mm. And... This woman, Amelia Dyer, is saying like, oh, this house is dope. Like, you know, we got slides and mm. it's a great place. It's not like you are just dumping your kid on the stoop somewhere and driving off. You yeah. go and you're like, oh, this is lovely. And she cooks and she looks like she smells good. And uh, so she you can feel good about themselves, I guess. Yeah, you feel good. It's like I, I can't. They, they're better off here than at my house. This place is amazing compared to where I live. Mm. But in reality, she's giving these kids opioids until they die. Mm. I thought the craziest part is like it says that she would overdose these kids using an opioid solution that was meant to soothe babies. So people were giving the babies opioids back then anyway, mm. just in a better dosage, mm. which is insane to me. Like, I mean, the, the the remedies that people were using 100 years ago are insane. You know, it's like, you know, uh, um, take some cigarette ash and, and swallow yeah. it in a glass of water uh, to, to cure uh, a cough. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I have cancer now. And, you know, so <laughs> I'm interested in hearing that she explain what she told the parents oh listen let's just let's just put you in a different universe right you can't take care of sophia stephanie left you um you're by yourself mm -hmm. it's you don't even want to be a, a father so it's like how many questions are you really asking if a person gives you an out 
I'm talking about I'm talking about when if they come back. Oh, I'll get to that. Okay, that's what I'm Okay, 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 I'll get to that. Um, so um, yeah, so like I said, originally she would overdose the kids using an opioid solution that was meant to calm crying infants. She would then call a coroner to confirm the deaths, claiming shock that the baby had died so soon. Uh, the feigning grief over and she was feigning grief over their passing so she come oh my god I can't believe that with the, he, they just dropped him off I don't know what happened I, th- I guess it was SIDS you know so and, and the, the coroner would go alright I guess the second one this week I don't know what's going on it must be some asbestos or something mm-hmm. and then just write it off and leave in 1879 a doctor became suspicious about the number of deaths he had been called out to report and wondering if they were really all accidental he reported her to the authorities, but instead of receiving a murder or manslaughter charge, she was sentenced to six months in a labor camp for neglect. Hmm. That's it. So they were like, listen, lady, all these babies keep accidentally dying in your care. Mm-hmm. You're clearly bad at your job. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It was no, they didn't think of any kind of like ill intent or yeah. like she was doing it on purpose. Like, this lady's really bad at taking care of babies. So slap on the wrist. And so she went, to, she went away for six months. But guess what? She got out. And as soon as she got released, she placed more ads in, in the paper for a safe home and mm-hmm. continued to collect payments for watching infants. You had to re-up, huh? Yeah, you had to re-up. You get back out on the streets. Oh, you, I haven't even gotten to how, <laughs> how this lady, her re-up game is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's insane. The system that people find when they're doing crazy, fucked up shit, mm-hmm. where it's like, this is my rotation and this is how I do it the best way. She found a system for this shit and it's bananas. Mm-hmm. So she got back on the streets, put the ads back out on the newspaper, like, I'm back out. I'm fresh out. Who needs a safe home for their baby? Mm. Uh, so, um, yeah, so she got back out, placed more ads out. She started collecting more money for watching infants. And in the event that a child she had murdered had parents that wanted it back, she would simply give them another baby. Wow. Yeah, so she had it's like genius. a basement full of babies. She And she wouldn't kill them all like in mass. Like in a, in mass. Mm-hmm. She'd leave a couple in case anybody would come and mm. be like, I want my baby back. But these people, I imagine, not to slander these people from 1853 or whatever, but I would imagine they didn't, like, pay the most attention to their kid. Or yeah. maybe it was a year ago when they left, so the yeah. kid would look different. So they go, like, here's your baby. And I'm like, yeah, that is him. He has, those are his eyes. You know, it's just like, because you just, you're already living in this fantasy world where you've done this noble thing as a parent. Mm-hmm. So you, you're like, you want to accept that it's your kid because you're like, I did this great thing. I left them at this great place. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is the kid. Why wouldn't it be the kid? This is a great place I left them at. So here's my kid back. Uh, I thought their eyes were green, but you know the sun. Yeah. And their eyes are brown now. So thank you. And then nobody asked any questions. Terrible but smart. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, yeah. Instead of killing them all, and you go, I don't have a kid here for you. You go, mm-hmm. oh, here's this one. You take this one, you know. And it's Europe. So all the kids are like white and either have brown hair or blonde hair. And they all kind of, you know, so it's like, here, take this one. Here's yeah. a blonde one. It's like, wasn't his hair brown? I don't know. Bye. And then the, she closes the door <laughs> and you just leave. Uh, Amelia Dyer had also realized her mistake in having coroners declare the infant's deaths and began disposing of the bodies herself. Mm. She would wrap the bodies in cloths and then bury them or drop them in the river or hide them throughout the town. Mm. So can you imagine like going to go take your trash out? You pop open a thing and it's just a yeah. dead baby in a trash. Like she was just leaving them. She so, like, backpacks or I mean, how she? I mean, she you know you wrap them up in a bundle, it might look like a loaf of bread or something like that. And one you by just, one, one by one, probably mm-hmm. in the dead of night. And you just go and you're like, I don't know, just throw it in trash bags or whatever, and you <laughs> go away. And then people are like finding dead babies and shit. You know, it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. It's just wild. 
So yeah, so she so she said these corners, the corner, the corners keep getting me uh, caught up. So fuck that. I'm, not gonna I'm use doing it in my own. So I'm going yeah. independent. It's very Nipsey. So she said I'm going independent route and I'm going to take care of these babies myself mm-hmm. instead of calling the coroner to like get a, 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 a official report. They just are going to go missing. Mm-hmm. So uh, she She also she also killed them in various ways as to not establish a noticeable pattern for herself. So she was really. You know, mm. instead of they find a bunch of, you know, dead babies who have no signs of any kind of trauma because she was using opioids. She might beat one to death she or whatever. So it's like, her. yeah, it's like, oh, we have just a bunch. It's just a bunch of terrible parents around in this town. Like wow. a bunch of people individually killing babies and throwing them away. So she's just doing this for financial gain. Yeah, because everybody every time she gets a baby, they pay right. to, for her to take it. Mm. And then she just was like, oh, well, thanks for the money. Put that in my pocket. Yep. And then throw the baby out the back window. Mm. So it's like you just collect them 80 pounds every time you know and so she she is sick mentally but she's not doing it for that reason for sure it's not an unstable sickness it's a sickness that has allowed her to do this unconscionably whereas like she's so sick that this business made sense to her where it's like oh yeah i need money i have a i have a child Mm -hmm. so i'll kill other people's children and then make the money that makes sense to me it wasn't like she was just erratically killing children right it was very organized it was a system she was putting ads wow. in a newspaper, probably her with a thumbs up in a little square in a newspaper. Like, you know, she had to, <laughs> that took effort, you know. Um, she also kept a close watch on the authorities. If she felt they were going to, if they, if she felt they were getting close to catching her, she would pretend to have a breakdown and then check herself into the sane asylum claiming suicidal thoughts. Once, once she even tried to overdose herself, but her high tolerance to opium from a long history of abuse saved her life. So obviously, like I said, we like we just said, this woman has some issues and she tried to kill herself. But also she would use that as, you know, when the police, if she felt like they were asking too many questions, she would just go check herself in, do a quick bid in an asylum mm-hmm. for a month. And then it would be like, I don't know why people wouldn't go, well, while that month was happening, while she was gone, we weren't finding any babies in the trash yeah. can. They would just go, oh, clearly she's not some kind of genius murderer, baby murderer, because she's in a sane asylum. Mm-hmm. She just is, I don't know, I don't know why that worked to her. Like, I would think if you thought she was a baby killer, her checking herself into a mental asylum might raise the suspicion more. Go, I oh, think it was it though. It was getting her off the radar or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's clearly, yeah. that's how it worked. Yeah. I'm just, in hindsight, I'm like, that's crazy that people didn't right. think the opposite, but they did. So, that you know, good for her. I don't know. That's a good plan she had. Uh, Dyer also frequently relocated to new towns, mm. adopting new identities with each move in order to throw the police off her trail, as well as parents looking to be reunited with their children. So, you know, you would just, you know, what's funny is like, this sounds like a person, this sounds like the person that Casey Anthony was describing as to why her child was gone missing. Mm-hmm. She just said like some Jamaican woman who watches children had her, her daughter. And then one day she just wasn't there anymore. And this lady just like one day you drop your kid off somewhere because you can't take care of it. You come back and she just left town. So what is she like? Well, don't drop your kid off. You don't want to get you know, to spare or something. Who was she saying that? No, no. If she oh. just pretend like none of that oh. happened. She I wouldn't thought, have to. She wouldn't have to meet those people again. I thought he was come back and they was like, well, no, that's your fault. You left your child. No, with no. Me. She, they would come back and she would. They would. She would be gone. Make it feel people. All, make people feel all terrible. Yeah. Well, it's she like it's like she either would give them a fake baby, or would be gone. And wouldn't have to deal with them at all. So she had a solution. She had two solutions. It was like, you're gonna get a baby if you come here. But let's say I'm in between babies right now. Let's see my let's say my uh my inventory is a little low. I'm not mm-hmm. I don't really have any babies right now, but I got people, but it's a ton of babies that I've taken, 
but I don't have any babies to give back out right now. Stock is low, so I'm just gonna leave town. Because if somebody comes knocking right now, I can't even give them a fake baby. I mean, so people not reporting this or people that's coming back, they're not saying, oh. I'm sure the people, if any, if I would I would imagine because she got away with it as long as she did, that if anybody reported it, that was a situation where she had already left town. And this is a point in time, keep in mind, it this is, is 1800s, oh, where it's like, gotcha. if you leave town and say, yeah. I'm not carrying, I'm not carrying anymore, my name's Susan. It's like, yeah. all right, cool. Well, hi, Susan. You know, and you just leave it to a different part of town. Unless somebody from another town comes and they're like, that's her. Yeah. Then you just heard the name Susan now that's and you crazy. live in another town. Great, man. Oh, man. I would have hit so many licks. <laughs> just been like a bank robber, you know, and just be like pack up and go somewhere else. And Change then you, I'm Mike it. now. Uh, yeah. So it is assumed that over the course of almost 30 years, it is estimated that Amelia Dyer killed. Take a guess. Take a guess at how many babies she killed. 380 babies. Wow. That's really close. They assume it's over 400. Oh. So you were, yeah, you were, you were, yeah, wow. yeah. I was, you should be on Preston's right. <laughs> Jesus uh, so this is assumed that she killed over 400 children and pocketed the money from each of them. Damn. Yeah, oh yeah. At 80 pounds a baby, too. That's, yeah, man. I mean, she might have, she, she might have made six figures, man. Jeez. Uh, yeah, so she pocketed the money for the children. Researchers believe the number could have doubled had she not been caught after one careless body dump. Wow. In March of 1896, a bargeman floating down the Thames, fi- floating down the Thames, fished a carpet bag out of the river. Inside, he found the tiny body of a baby girl mm. wrapped in package wrapping paper. And one savvy police officer noticed a name, almost faded, written on the corner of the paper, Mrs. Thomas. So wow. she wrapped it in like some newspaper with her new name on it. Uh, so it had Mrs. Thomas on it as well as an address. Mm. The address was Amelia Dyer's. And though the police were led to her by the body, they still couldn't link her to the crime. So they set a trap. Using a young woman, using a young woman as a decoy. They, so this is like one of the first uh, to catch a predator type yeah. of things where they, they, you know, a sting operation. Uh, using a young woman's body as a decoy. They had her place an ad for a baby needing a, a good home. Mm. Dyer responded and set up a meeting with the woman, only to walk into a police ambush. Gotcha. Yeah. And then Chris Hansen came out and was like, uh, why don't you have a seat over here? Yeah. And he was, <laughs> so what, are you, what are you doing here today? Babies? Uh, after searching her home, police discovered the scent of human decomposition, dressmaker's tape. A scent? Yeah, like. On her? No, no, like in the house. The house, oh, the house, had, like, like dead bodies. Oh, all right. Yeah. I thought she like walked in the room and you could smell. No, like she dead just stinks like dead bodies. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? She might. I mean, she's around it enough. That'd be cool. Uh, dressmaker's tape, much like uh, the kind that had been wrapped around the infant corpse's neck. Mm-hmm. Telegrams about adoption agreements, advertisements, and letters from mothers asking about their children, wow. which is the saddest fucking thing. Like, imagine. I just couldn't imagine you being a mother who is like, I can't, I love my kid. I just can't do this right now, but I found this great person and I just need them to take care of my kid for a bit. And then six months later, you like found a job. You got, you got a house now, you all this kind of stuff. And you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to go get my kid now. I'm really excited. Like I got my life. How I want my kid to be proud of me and my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you go to reach out to Amelia Dyer and she's like, yeah, the kid's like um, wrapped up in a business kind of thing right now, so she can't. Yeah. I can't give her to you right now for tax reasons. And you're like, what? Um, Just pop up. Yeah, exactly. But you know, but you can't find her because she's uh. moving all over the place. It's like, uh, can uh, can I have my kid back? Yeah, about that. She's uh, probably not even replying, so... That's true. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's probably just incoming letters only. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, just a stack of letters 
of mothers concerned about their kids. That's, that's, that's incredibly sad. Uh, so they also discovered things packed away as if Dyer were about to move again. Yep. She was about to get out of town. She knew they were she knew they were on a trail, mm. but she fell right into their hand. Mm. Uh, police arrested her and dredged her and dredged the Thames, looking for more bodies. They found six. Wow. All of which Dyer admitted to killing. She even told police that the white tape around their necks was how she could tell. So it was like her signature. She's like, Yeah, I'll, I choke them out with white tape. And That's if they cool. have that around their neck, then that was my work. During her trial, she pleaded guilty to only one murder and claimed insanity as a defense, citing her numerous asylum stays. Ooh, so like she might have done that. And that was the second thought in her brain every time she went into checked herself into an asylum to get the heat off of her. Mm -hmm. She might have also been like, this might come in handy later. Mm. I might be giving her too much credit, but that's crazy to, that that's what she cited as her defense. Yeah. Um, however... The jury decided that they had been faked as a way to avoid the prosecution, which is what she did when she checked herself into the facilities. Mm-hmm. It was it was fake, so they they guessed right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it only took them four and a half minutes to convict her. Damn. <laughs> yeah, well, they were like, <laughs> uh, "You get you're a killer," so there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> At nine a.m. on June tenth, eighteen ninety six, Amelia Dyer was executed. Mm-hmm. Dyer's case drew national attention due to the high number of deaths and the amount of time that Dyer had avoided conviction. It also sparked a revolution in adoption laws, pushing authorities to poli- to police baby farms and stop abuse. Now, when was this? What year was this? This was like, um, she had been doing it for 30, 30 plus years, so she, oh, got, okay. she, got, she right. got executed in 1896, so as early as 1860s, she was taking babies in. Okay, I was about to say 400-some babies. I mean, goddamn. Yeah. Go over a 30-year span. I mean. Like, I didn't, see this on, I didn't see this on CNN. Like, no, this was, this was, this was yeah. almost 200 years ago. Uh, um, yeah, so her case drew national attention. It sparked a revolution. So they, uh, they, put a, they basically put a stop to baby farms because of this woman. Baby farm? I don't like that name. Yeah, I mean, just call it an orphanage. Or something like that. Baby farms sounds super yeah. detached from what a baby is. Like yeah. it's a it's a little person with like thoughts and feelings and stuff. It's like I don't know. Baby it's farm. like it's like a beet farm or a or a, a, a corn farm. It's like it's a baby. It's not a farm. Uh, some historians have drawn parallels to, to to the Jack the Ripper case, suggesting that Dyer could have been involved. After all, uh, both had a high body count and happened at the same time. Though it has never been proven, they were related. So, you know, people just speculate. Mm-hmm. Uh, though it is expected that her total number of victims has was between 300 and 400, only three of the victims were positively identified and attributed to her. So Three? Three. The, yeah, wow. I don't know. I, they found six in the water, so I don't know how. I don't know. And right. they said she did, and she said she did it, right? The six? She said she did the six, but then she flipped when they got to trial. Like, no, did. I only did kill one, and I'm crazy. <laughs> so they were like, I don't know, man. Just kill her. I don't know. They weren't as pressed. I mean, that's not like the shit they do now. So yeah, they weren't as pressed for the facts back then also because it's not like they were going to make a Netflix documentary about it or write some kind of or do a 10-part podcast series about it. It's just like, I don't know, man. She killed babies. Just get it. Just kill mm-hmm. her. We don't need to, like, know the reasons why for an article. Just kill her. End of story. That's crazy. So, um, yeah. So that was my affirmative murder. Amelia Dyer. The uh, but I want to know what about the baby uh, the, slayer? The families, did they 
Well, I mean, I don't know if if they let them know. Like, was it possible for them to find out or? Well, no, because there's no record. I would imagine once you see that Amelia Dyer's in the newspaper and you go, I gave my kid to them. That's when you go like, wow, that's that's the woman. And that's why we don't have her kid anymore. So a lot of people were devastated the week of that trial. Wow. When when her face hit the the, um, front page and the papers went around, it's like, woman kills, believed it, killed 400 babies. And a bunch of people were like. Oh my God! Hard this stop. is the woman I've been sending letters to to try to get our baby and back. my money and my money. I mean, I mean, I mean that's I mean, not important. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but you know, what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the woman that took my fucking money and my baby too. I guess yeah, that too. <laughs> um, so yeah, but no, but that was my affirmative murder this week. Uh, you, that was nuts. Yeah, that was pretty nuts, right? I thought mm-hmm. so. I, I was really excited to come here and like just kind of put that out into the atmosphere because I just. One thing about doing this podcast that has blown my mind every time, you know, we do a crazy story is like that people, there are people who have the mental capacity to do this, some of the shit that we read yeah. about, man, like to, to kill babies and to murder people and eat them or mm-hmm. live in the house with just dead bodies in the house and you just mm-hmm. go about your day and make sandwiches and shit in the house with dead bodies in it. Yeah. I just, I'm like, I can't even comprehend it because if my trash, if I wake up and the trash is the trash from the last night and mm-hmm. as you smell it, I was like, this needs to go out right now. Yeah. You know, so I couldn't imagine being like, I don't know, it smells like death in here, but I don't know, I'll make this sandwich real quick. But a baby farm, I just, now, I never heard of a baby farm and I feel like Tuesday somebody will be like, oh, you know. Well, they exist in the capacity today because oh. um, you can, as a person, you can, you can master- but is it is it under the title of baby farm? No, 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 no. Okay, no. but it's the, the the idea of what she did still oh, exists. Gotcha. Like yeah, a, a yeah, woman, I get that. A woman okay. can adopt as many kids as she mm. wants out of the quote unquote kindness of her heart and receive a check from the government for each kid. Okay, so yeah. you could have All eight right. kids in your house. And as, as a matter of fact, that's the, the story of that's the. Have you ever seen Antoine Fisher? Yeah, mm-hmm. that movie. That Antoine Fisher was in a house like that. Hmm. The woman was. She had them like. Them, I might be mixing two movies together. It. If she didn't have them, like, making shit, I don't know if she had... I can't remember. I don't think she had them making shit, but the situation was super bare minimum. And the kid was being molested by her kid, mm-hmm. and it was just a bunch of kids living in the house, and it wasn't food for everybody, and it was rough. But every every Friday or whatever, she would get her check for every kid and spend it on not the kids. It was like <laughs> it was like a, it was like a hustle to her. Like, yeah. it was like, uh, every time I get a kid, I get a check, and, you know, the kids, I don't know, give them McDonald's and just tell them, leave me the hell alone, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, they get the, they do stuff for me, they clean the house and get me juice and all this kind of shit, but there's no love. It's just <laughs> like a business, you know yeah. what I mean? And then they get their checks. So there's people who... uh about that check. There's, there's, pe- there's even people who... um I guess it's an incentive, too, because there are people who might go, you know, I want to I want to help a kid out, but like the the addition of some extra income will help too. So you you get the best of both worlds. You you adopt a kid and then or you it's not adopt. You foster a kid. Mm-hmm. It's different. Like you 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 foster a kid mm-hmm. through the government or whatever. I don't know. Somebody will tell us how it works properly. But you like foster a kid and through that way you receive like a stipend of some kind where you get money and it's like okay cool I get the. I'm not saying all people are like hustling like oh, fuck kids, but. I like the money yeah, part. It's an incentive in the way as you're explaining me. For sure. I want to help somebody. Not you. I'm just doing this to get a check. For sure. Yeah. But there are people who do that. <laughs> yes, I mean. But there are other yeah. people who right. are just like, I want to ad- help a kid and whatever. And then they give me money to help take care of the kid. Yeah. Which is like, that's cool too. So, I'll, you know, I'll, help, I'll take the... I'll take this kid in and give them love and all this kind of stuff and then I'll receive a little extra money to help them out too. Mm, but there are some people that are like, give me six kids. And they all sleep in a three-bedroom house and at bare minimum and they don't really get 
the money to help them out, but the lady or the man or whatever, they drive a nice car and they got some money in their pocket and whatever because they have six kids in their house. So yeah, I mean Get that adoption research. system Get is research on that. not adoption system. I take I keep saying adoption. It's not adoption, if I'm not mistaken. It's not adoption. It's like fostering. It's foster care. Um, but yeah, so that was my affirmative murder this week. Amelia Dyer, friend, got, any, got anything no, on that? No. Okay, cool. Well, then uh, that was the end of uh, my story, and we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Uh, as we are speaking, it is April the twenty eighth. Um, the contest for the reviews on Apple Podcasts ends on Tuesday. I would, I would say that I was going to make the announcement today, but I'm going to give anybody out there the two days to give a, you know, to give a shot to get a, um, a review in there and officially, uh, make the announcement next episode of, uh, who won of the three, there will be three winners of a t-shirt and a, and a, a logo sticker. And uh, the, co- the contest ends on Tuesday. So if there's anybody else that wants to, you know, try to slide one in there before Tuesday, you're open and free to do that. And with that being said, Fran, it is on you. So my affirmative murder this week is about Joseph Thomas Westbecker, um, who was the perpetrator of the standard reverse shooting, which is in um, Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. So Joseph Thomas Westbecker was identified as the shooter when he was 13 uh, he was identified as the shooter when he was 13 months old when his father, a construction worker, died died in the fall. After his father's death, he was raised as the only child by his mother, Martha. Wait, did you say he was a he was a? No, he was he was I he was, he was identified, identified as, as a shooter, shooter in yeah. a case. And yeah, then this and is... when he was 13 months old, yeah, when he was 13 months old, his father um, was a construction worker and he died in the fall. Okay. After his father his father's death, he was raised as an only child by his mother, Martha. Herself only 16 years old, mm. very, very young. Very young. Um, she was 16 years old at the time. And her family, though, he was often passed from place to place during his early childhood and at one time deposited in an orph- orphanage for almost a year. Mm. Baby farm. Yeah. Yep. His grandfather, to whom he felt closely attached, died when he was four. As Westbrecker was a poor student, he, he dropped out of high school in the ninth grade but he later managed to earn his GED. In 1960, he started to work as a pressman at, at a printing plant and married one year later. With his wife, he had two sons, James and Joseph. In 1971, he moved to Standard Grover, where he soon earned a reputation as a determined, hardworking, and loyal and reliable worker. The year 1978 marked the beginning of a downward slope of West Becker's life. His marriage ended in a divorce mm. and a bitter battle over custody and support for his two sons ensured. It was also it was also the year he admitted himself um, for the first time in a hospital to seek psychiatric treatment. Mm. Well, that's Nin- good. That's good though. Yeah, yeah. In 1983, but again, well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. In 1983, West Becker married again. West Becker's West Becker's second marriage also ended in a divorce after one year. Mm. As a consequence, he became increasingly reclusive and suicidal, separated from most of his family members, and lived in an overall lonely life in whose um, center his work remained. remained. Mm. So I saw he was all he was doing was working. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, the, having to go through two divorces. Yeah. And then you got to go to a custody battle. I'm guessing not winning because you 
Especially if you... He's alone now. Yeah, especially yeah. if you put yourself in a psychiatric treatment, then you most likely probably didn't get you know custody. And it's like, as good as that is, that I think it was good that he went to get mental health, you know his ex-wife was using that as ammunition. Oh, custody, most definitely. Custody, but I was like, no, he can't... I don't trust him around these kids. He's not stable. Right. You know. So after selling... Um, after the selling of the Standard Graver and the subsequent management change in 1986... Wes Becker was assigned to a mechanical folder. I don't know what that is and what that is. A mechanical means. folder? Yeah. Um, it's just another position, whatever he was, wherever he was working at. He soon complained about the stress and undue pressure and asked to be placed back at his old job. His request was declined, and he grew increasingly hostile against the new management. Became wary of conspiracies aimed to harass him. Oh, wow. Yeah, and began to complain about policy changes at the company. He started, to, he started complaining... That exposure to Tulum? Tulum? To T O L U L U E N E. Oh, that's some kind of some kind, something something that there was a class action lawsuit for at some point that was killing people. I don't know what it is, but it sounds like some kind of chemical. It's an aromatic aromatic hydrocarbon. Mm. <laughs> yeah, something bad. Something you breathe yeah. and then it works. Yeah. yeah. You know. So he was whatever it was. He was like, um, he said that the exposure to that at work. Um, gave him memory loss, dizziness, and blackout spells. Oh wow! wow. Host- yeah, hostility. The hostility accumulated in May 1987 when West Becker filed a complaint with the Jefferson County Human Relations Commission, charging that he was being harassed and dis- discriminated against for his psychological, um, psychological state and being deliberately put under pressure conditions. So stressful conditions. So for sure, he was just. Was it true? Maybe, but um, he was just thinking the management was out out for him, basically. Yeah. And this dude sounds like a teapot. Like, it's just, it's built oh, it's clearly. Most like definitely, it, yeah. yep. Um, a subsequent um, examination confirmed that Wes Becker suffered from depression, manic and manic depression, mm. um, s- substantiating his claim of mental illness. He was prescribed Prozac. Uh, level him out a bit. Yeah. In August 1989, West Berker stopped working and was finally put on a long-term disability leave in February 1989, though there was also also an agreement to re-employ him as he recovered sufficiently. Mm. Between, between August 1988 and May 1989, West Berker bought several weapons, among them the AK-47 wow. and pistol he later used in the shooting, which I'll, which I'll get to right after this. Um, shortly before the shooting at Standard River, where he showed up the last time on September 13th, Wes Brecker presumably received a letter from the company announcing the cancellation of his disability income, mm. which is the last fucking straw. Yeah, it's like, oh, and we're not giving you any money anymore. <laughs> uh, rough, that's rough. Uh, so, Standard River was a prominent printing company founded in 1922 by Barry Bing- Bing- Bingham Sr., Reduced revenues led to an employee wage freeze in 1982, and in 1986, the Bingham family sold the company. Standard Reverse customers were retailers, many of which were in the process of going out of business, mm-hmm. and at the same time, paper shortages were occurring in the marketplace. So, so they, the got, they was, got out. They got out while they could, yep, and yep. fucked everybody else that was, you know, the lower people on totem pole. That's how it goes. That's how it man. goes. Damn, it's fucked up, but like. I mean, what are they supposed to stay in business and yeah. and go out of business p- paying y'all money? I, it's like it's I, exactly <laughs> the same thing happened to my grandfather. He was he was a HVAC guy, mm-hmm. and um, the company was it, was it was slow and they didn't have as much business. So they said, "Look, man, we we'll, we are going to lay you off 
and then you can collect unemployment. And he was already at the point where he was about to retire anyway. Mm-hmm. So the unemployment actually rolled into his retirement. So mm-hmm. it benefited him. But okay. there was some dude on there in, in that job probably that was like 28, yeah. just bought a house, yep. living great off his job. And it's like, oh, sorry, man, you're laid off. You don't have a job anymore. And it's like, whoa. And that's completely different. That's very dark, you know. And that guy could go and get a gun and be like, you know. Yeah, I mean, my life. that you know? on two divorces, on not getting custody of your kids. Mental problems. Mental problems. You're on medication. It's rough. So yeah. I mean, it's like you take a rubber band and you take it as far as it'll go without popping, yep. and then it's like, oh, and you don't have a job anymore, or and we're taking away your disability. It's like, pop, yep. and then that is what I'm about to talk about. Okay. So December 14th, 1989, Wes Becker, who was nicknamed Rocky by his colleagues, parked his car in front of the main entrance of Standing River. Oh wow. Yep. And entered the plant at 8:30 a.m. The times would, would never, for some reason, whenever I hear. Um, mass shootings uh-huh. and when they describe you know after everything that happened they describe the times it creeps me the fuck out I don't know why the times just you can really visualize it's it crazy like oh he did this at 8.30am mm. he walked into the door it's just that it bothers me I don't, yeah. it's, it's wild um, so he entered the plant at 8.30am carrying a Molly Tech AK-47 mm. which is a Chinese made semi-automatic AK-47 derivative Deverative. Um A Sig Sig Sour P two two six nine millimeter pistol. Okay. And a duffel bag containing two Mac Elevens, a sub a snub nose thirty eight caliber Smith and Western oh, model wow. twelve air weight revolver, a bayonet. I don't know why he has that. Oh wow. Um, and several hundred rounds of ammunition. So I mean, this you'd have thought he, this he, dude was battling in the military. Yeah, Bombs he came out. in there like Blade. Crazy. Wow. Um, a bayonet. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a novelty weapon. Why? Why do you have that? Did you put the, did you put that on the end of an AK-47? Like, you're going to get... The AK-47 is such a long-range yeah. weapon. He's like, I'm going to shoot everybody in here, but then on some of them, I'm going to get up on them close and personal and stab I them mean, with the end of my gun. That's, that's That dude... Who has a bayonet? That's right. crazy. Wow. He really went in there with the arsenal. Yeah. So, I mean, around that time when he was going through all this shit and then probably knew that, you know, he may get... Melee's job, he's just like, well, I'm about to rack up on these weapons. Yeah. Um, Use the disability checks while they're still yeah. coming and, and then, get my, um, build my arsenal. Yep. Wow. So, um, he took the elevator to the executive reception area on mm. the third floor. As soon as the door opens, he fired the reception. He fired at the reception. So wow. Got started immediately. I was hoping, not that it would be better, but I was like, maybe this dude has come here with a sole mission of like, I'm going to kill the bosses. The top people. Yeah, I, that's. I think that's that's was his that was his intentions, but he you got to get through. Oh yeah, get through those people. people. But like, what's the reception? <laughs> All she wants to do is run. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no, nah, no, nah, fuck that. I mean, he didn't even give her a chance. It's yeah, just, I mean, wow. Season doors. Boom. Yeah, and I like the hope I build relationships with all the people that I get yeah. kind of red flags from in my life. That anybody that instead of just dismissing them, I've built enough of a relationship with them that where they go, hey man, get out of here. Yeah, take, go take the stairs. I hope. I could be completely wrong, but I hope I never find out. Mm-hmm. But I hope. Yeah, we'll keep that in mind. Um, yeah, so he fired at the reception of Sharon Needy, whom he killed, and Angela Bowman, who he paralyzed with a shot in the mm. back. Searching ah. for Standard Reverse president, Michael Shea, and other supervisors and managers of the plant, Wes Becker calmly walked through the hallways. I mean, me reading this, you get you, you mentally... Can, you, you can visualize you pitch, Yeah, you visualize what... It's, he's just firing off, and he's just... I'm I'm not gonna walk. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm if you time. ever seen the movie Rampage, you ever seen the movie Rampage? Yeah, that movie's I that mean, movie's really really. 
that movie is like it shouldn't be watched. It no, is very, it shouldn't it's be on Netflix. Very dark. It is a very, very dark movie. And that's what whenever that's exactly what it reminded me. That movie's really terrifying, and not like in a horror movie kind of way. It's like this is probably what people were fearing <sighs> at like the the Colorado yes. movie theater. That's it's crazy. like it, it's like that kind of scary. Where it's like this feels. Real. And it was like first person. Yeah, that it, movie's it, it, that it movie's a little too much. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm for a sure, super sure. like. Yeah. Cool. Like I love movies that push the line and all that kind of stuff. It's like yeah. this feels. And it was the second one. I didn't watch the second yeah, one. I, like, couldn't, this feels, I couldn't do it. Yeah, this feels yeah. gratuitous and like like too far. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I've seen it. Yeah. Uh. So he shot those two people and he was just walking calmly down the hallways, um, uh, searching for the these top supervisors and presidents and managers and whatnot. Mm. Um. So yeah. So as West Becker calmly walked through the hallways, deliberately shooting at people, he killed James' husband and injured Forrest Conrad, Paula Warman, and John Steen, a boundary supervisor whom he shot in the head mm. and abdomen. West Brecker then headed down the stairs to the press room where he killed Paul Salee and wounded Stanley Hatfield and David Sand, Sand, Sandfadden, mm. two electricians from Marine Electric who were working on the broken machine. Damn. Wasn't even wrong, supposed to be there. Wrong place, the wrong time. That's, that's wild. Um, leaving his duffel bag under the stairwell, Wes Becker walked down to the basement where he encountered pressman John Tingle, whom alerted by the the loud noise, went to see what was going on. Why? Those are gunshots, bro. You don't... Why? What did you think was... A... Who's letting off fireworks upstairs in the executive suite? Let me go check this nah, out. Nah, bro. No. Nah. Man, I, that's one thing I'm proud of is like, I know black people have a very like spooky mentality of mm-hmm. like, like if you got up and just ran out of this room right now and I didn't know why, I'm running. <laughs> You're supposed to follow me, yeah. I'm running too. <laughs> and if there was gunshots and I wasn't sure they were gunshots, but I see another person running the other way, mm-hmm. I don't need to know. I don't need the answer to what it is. Yeah. I don't. I, let's go. Let's get right. away from it. And yep. if, if if it turns out later somebody drops some firecrackers in a trash can, silly me. We can all laugh about how I ran away and it's oh I'm a, I'm a punk or whatever. I lived. Yeah. So yeah, John Tingle, who was. You know, alerted by the noise, went to go see what was going on. Ter- uh, terrible de- decision. Yeah, man. Cedric the Entertainer's got a joke about that. One of his, it might have been the case of comedy where it's like, <laughs> it was like, it was like a, it was like the, it's the like stereotypical uh, white guy thing. I'm like, what the heck is going on over here? You hear something or something like that? It's like, <laughs> oh man, yeah, oh, uh, black racist, uh, <laughs> black racist '90s comedy with like white guys being like, hey man, what's this over? Here? It's so, it's so like not. White people don't sound like that. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's like, like not to get off track, but it's like uh, when we was talking about the police uh, thing, and then Martin did one on Run Tell That. He was like, "What the fuck did you pull me over for?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Yeah, I was speeding. I'm in a rush." Yeah. <laughs> it's so extreme and like it's so funny. It's either that like asshole rich dude or like, "Excuse me, whoa, what are we dancing over here?" It's like, "What? Where? Who are you meeting?" That sounds like that's, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, man. Oh god. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, John Tingle, who was the one who learned it, went to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. So Tingle greeted uh, greeted by his colleague, asking him what was happening. You know, hey, uh, what's, whatever, fucking Joseph, Joseph yeah. what's going on up there? Did he have a gun in his hand? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, he got like eight guns, yeah, a bayonet on his back. He got an AK-47. <laughs> was he hiding it behind his back with one arm? Oh, I don't know, man. It's crazy up there. <laughs> so Wes Becker says, hi, John. I told them, I'm, I told them I'd be back. Oh, wow. But get away from me. Oh wow! So like that's why I said hold on to that. What you said, I guess he saved John's. John's I hope body. that was like say no more. If he really went, get up, stay away from you. What's going on, bud? You all right? It's like 
I really hope this dude was smart enough. Like, first of all, him going there is dumb. But if he, if if that conversation continued any further than that, or like where he had to go, like show him the gun, like yeah. get away from me. He's like, yeah. get away from you. What's going on, man? You okay? He's like, I said, get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. like, I mean, he said, hey, you know, hi, John. I blank face. I said, I'd be, I'd back. be back. You know, wow, I, I said I'd be back, uh, but get away from me. It's very terrifying. Uh, yeah, so I said at, I'd be yeah, back. So after John moved out of his way, Wes Beckett continued his path. So he just let, I yeah. guess that was one of his guys. He let, hey, yeah. man, look, just go. Um, so after he moved out of his way, Wes Beckett continued his path through the basement, shooting Richard Barger in the back, killing him. According to witnesses, Wes Beckett approached Barger's body and apologized, having apparently killed him accidentally um, as he could not see whom he was shooting. So I guess he. So he meant to let this the, one he his was guys his buddies too. too. Yeah, but, but he got him by accident. Wow. He just was letting off rounds that he didn't know till afterwards. Ah, that's rough. You, sorry to. Uh, sorry you died. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So back onto the press room floor, he shot. He shot it anyway. He shot at anyone in his way, mm. killing James Wibble and Lloyd White. Then finally entered the break room where he emptied his magazine, mm. hitting all seven workers present and killing William Gnoe. With a shot in the head, Wes Becker then reloaded and resumed firing, fatally wounding Kenneth Fentress. Like, this shit is so, like, um, it, like, hits close to home because this shit, I mean, like, we had that thing in Annapolis happen at yeah. that, at that, um, at that newspaper and the shooting that just happened this weekend. And it's like, I couldn't imagine being at work a typical day in one of these office yeah. kind of settings, a break room from my, you know, recollect, not recollection, but a lot of break rooms that I've seen, it's only one way in and one way out. Mm-hmm. You're just in there eating your peanut butter sandwich yep. or whatever. And somebody just comes in and you know, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. They, they got the, they, they dropped, they, they, they got the dime on you. Like you are in a room. Mm-hmm. He's standing in front of the only way out with a gun that's shooting a hundred bullets in in, in ten seconds, that's and wild. it's like you just gotta accept that, you know. Like that's that is that is crazy. I mean, he did like. I mean, they only say he reloaded once, but he did like two floors already. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, he had a, a gun with a lot of ammunition, and a, and a, probably a pretty long clip. Yeah, and did a lot of damage. And just he's just like he's walking, just yeah, taking his time. Off. Um, so Westbrecker. Um, then returned to the press room where he pulled out his SIG saw, put it under his chin, and shot himself. Oh, wow. Ending a shooting spree that had lasted for about a half an hour, which probably felt like eternity. Oh, yeah, man. Um, he, had four, he had fired about 40 rounds, leaving eight people dead and 12 wounded. One person had suffered a heart attack. I guess they was just... Terrified. terrified. Oh yeah. Man. I mean that is... Gunshots, alarms going off, the smoke detectors probably went off. because all screaming. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you have any kind of heart issues, you're not, you're not, you're not dealing with that very well. Yeah. Um. So when police searched Westberger's house, they recovered a shotgun. So he had more guns, um, a Colt nine millimeter revolver, a thirty two revolver, and a starter, a starter's pistol. They found Westberger's will, as well as an, an, as well as an issue of Time magazine on the kitchen table. The magazine featured an article about um, Patrick Purdy, who had killed five children and injured. 30 others with a Type 56 assault rifle. Essentially the same weapon Westbreaker used. Um, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, the same weapon he used uh, at a school shooting that this dude did in Stockton, California earlier that year. I'm not here to get political and all this kind of shit, man. But that part in that story uh, of copycatting is what that sounds like yeah. he saw mm-hmm. something and, and, and was like I'm gonna do something similar when you have the president of the United States 
telling people that are racist, prejudiced towards Jewish people, prejudiced towards Muslim people, and then they do something out of hate and you excuse it Mm -hmm. and you say it's okay to do that, then you've given people a green light. And then when a person goes and takes that hate that you've already excused and they get a gun and they go into a mosque or they go into a synagogue or whatever the case is and they kill people and you still go, well, I don't really know. This might be an isolated incident. I don't really know if this is related to that kind of stuff. I don't know. This is this sounds like I don't think I think that the word hate crime is kind of like I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that person goes, oh, wow. So you can just do whatever you want. It seems like and and there's no condemnation. And it creates this cycle of people who see that person do that and they go, oh, yeah, well, I hate Jewish people, too. You can just get a gun and shoot them. I didn't know you could even do that. I'll do that, too. And it's it becomes harder and harder to go. These are all just isolated incidents and not a trend of people following the message that's being put out into Mm -hmm. the world. And that part in the like the article, that whole thing that you've been reading is super fucked up already. But the part of like you go into this guy's house that killed yeah. all these people, and he he has a magazine in his house about a person who killed people yeah. with a similar gun that he just used to kill a bunch of people. Yeah, media ha- media is a powerful tool, man. It can influence people. So we just got to really be careful about the messages we put out in the world, man, because they people are listening and they are being influenced by words and actions. And that's that's pretty wild. It's just um, just hearing stories like that, you know, a magazine. The y'all you, you giving these people publicity, yeah, that have done these horrible crimes, and yeah. then people see like, you know, especially if they already going through something. It's like I didn't oh, know I was that just, was an option. Yeah, I didn't know that if you're being bullied at school. If you don't want to get bullied anymore, you could just bring a gun to school and you could just kill everybody at the school. I didn't know that. I didn't even know that was a solution to my problem because right. I'm having the same problem. So I'll go do that. You yeah. know, it's the same thing that like. I don't know what it's like to be a gay 12 year old. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's very hard. The jokes and all these kind of things. But the suicide rates with these kids of gay being bullied, whatever it is. I couldn't imagine even knowing what suicide was at 11. Yeah. You know, you hear about these kids hanging themselves or shooting themselves or any kind of stuff. And it's like, it feels like they're following some kind of cue. Mm-hmm. Like one kid did it and made a video. They got this show 13 Reasons Why on Netflix, which yeah. I haven't watched. And watch I'm it. not saying it's a, I don't know if it's a good or bad show. I can't really speak on it. But you, and, I'm, and I understand mental health is something you got to talk about. And suicide is a thing that happens. But when a, sh- a show becomes trendy and it's based around a teenager killing themselves, mm-hmm. it's it just t- hits something in me that's like, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I hear people say it's a good show, but it's mm-hmm. like the message, though, the message that like, whatever, I don't know this. I don't know the storyline, but it's like mm-hmm. whatever that girl was going through, you can just end it. Yeah. And I don't think that's a confusing message to an 11 year old might not be able to decipher that properly. And they go, well, I'm, shit's hard for me. Like, I'll just yeah. kill myself, yeah. you know. So I just don't media is it's it's tricky, man. It can really hurt people, it can help people, but it can really hurt people if you send the wrong messages yeah. out. Yeah, so um so Wes Becker had a long history of psychiatric illness, um, and was treated for his hosp- treated for it in hospitals at least three times be- between nineteen seventy eight and nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, so he was diagnosed as suffering from alternating episodes of depression and manic depression among others by confusion and anger and anxiety and made several attempts to commit suicide. 
Mm. So he was already Yeah, he was, he was going through some yeah. stuff. Hospital records also suggested that Westbecker posed a threat to himself and others. I mean, it's, it's, it's in there. records. It's there. It's there. Like, what else do you need? Um, according to CBS 60 Minutes in 1984, five years before he took Prozac, Westbecker's medical, medical rec- records show that he had this conversation with a doctor. Um, have you ever felt like harming someone else? Yes. Should see, I read see, it again? See, I mean, the thing is, um, because even though it's in record, I actually I heard that they had a similar conversation about this on the Joe Budden podcast, um, which is like one of the biggest urban podcasts out, um, when Nipsey got killed. Mm-hmm. Because the guy that killed Nipsey Hussle was, he had, a re- he had a history of mental illness and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, if that's known, what is it that you can do? Because you don't want to stigma, you don't want to stigmatize me- mentally ill people, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, you have a history of checking yourself in the mental he- mental health facility, so let's not hire him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even though it's like I hear what you're saying, and it's like, yeah, no, like this dude, the signs were there, but like, what do you, what do you do? And I know you don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. We clearly society doesn't have the answer. But it's like, if we know that a person has a history of mental instability, should they have to? Do, do a system like go to a parole officer like not a parole officer but like you have to check in yeah. because you've been diagnosed with something that has a history of um, people harming themselves mm-hmm. or harming others you know so should they have to check in to a person should they have to see a therapist more regularly than other people should it be mandatory like I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is without stigmatizing people because they suffer from mental health issues you know what I mean yeah, I like don't... how could we have stopped this dude from doing this? I don't really know the answer to that. Even though we read this and it's like mm-hmm. he has a history of hurting, he wanted to hurt him, hit, mm-hmm. you know, suicidal thoughts and all these things, and he's checked himself in the mental facilities. That's all on the writings on the wall. Mm-hmm. But what is what do we do with that? Treat him, give him, uh, like you said. I mean, have him check in. I mean, you can't treat him like animals. Yeah, for sure. But you can try to keep track. I mean, I know that's a lot. Costs a lot of money, of course. Yeah. But I mean, it got it's got to be something like yeah. Funerals cost a lot of money too. But I mean, obviously, I know that overwhelmingly people who suffer from mental health. I want to make this clear because I don't want to offend anybody. If, if I can help it, if I can ever help it, I won't. I'll try not to offend anybody. Overwhelmingly, I know that people who suffer from mental health issues don't do what this guy did. Don't go out and kill people. I know that that, mm-hmm. but it does happen. So what do we do with the information if it's available to us? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's one of those kind of things. And it's like. Yeah, you can say give them drugs and all this kind of stuff, but then it's like, how do we know that they're taking the drugs? How do we? It's it's just so it's such a hard problem to get the thumb on in society. And for me, my personal um, belief is that I think that any problem that a person is going through, for the most part, some stuff. If you're bipolar or you have schizophrenia, those chemical imbalances, there's not anything you can really do about that other than drugs. But I think that depression. Um, the seasonal effectiveness disorder, a lot of these issues are from a sedentary lifestyle. And if we just get up and, and just live life and don't be, you know, don't sit and wallow and just get up and just go out and get active and exercise, and there, it doesn't, you don't need to just drug yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who go, I'm, I have anxiety or, or, or uh, I have anger problems or whatever. And it's like, you know, you could probably get the same result, if not a better result, from just getting active and or finding a hobby or something to occupy your time than just taking Z- uh, Xanax or mm-hmm. Zoloft or whatever. Like I don't want to just people to just be drugged up because that could, that could contribute to people snapping to us. Like you take the wrong concoction yeah. and you just lose it. 
Yeah, it's just. It's I a, mean, it's that comes hard, up. Yeah. That comes up. This story about him taking Prozac. Yeah, it's it's um, just it's just not a it's a it's something that I, I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, but it's it, there's a problem that doesn't really have a solution. It seems like. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So his conversation with the doctor was, you know, um, have you ever felt like harming someone else? He said yes. Um. Who? Uh, he said my forearm. When at work. So that was his that was his answers. His form his foreman. His for his for his yeah it's for my bad oh, my, okay. my foreman. So oh, okay. yeah um it said when at work. Wow. The same medical records show Westberger had already attempted suicide twelve to fifteen times. Wow. In the years prior to the shooting, Westberger more than once threatened to kill a bunch of people or to bomb the Standard Graver, um and at one point considering hiring an assassin to kill several. Um, executives of the company. Okay, yeah, this dude should have been fired. Like this is this is this isn't just a person who is sad or depressed or what. This is a dangerous person. Yeah, and that's I mean, he thought he was out for him from the beginning, so yeah. it was like I hate these people. If you, if I you can't go back to my yeah. yeah. If you threaten to kill people at your job before and then they just go, I don't know, that's just Steve or yeah. whatever his name is. Yeah. Like that, he, that's grounds for firing. And that's yeah. grounds for termination. Where yeah. it's like you, you're you make people uncomfortable here. Yeah. So apparently he even discussed these things with his wife before their divorce, probably while they got divorced. Yeah, she's like, oh, um, I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, um, when he left Standard Graver in August 1988, he told other workers that he would come back. Yeah, um, that's what he told the dude in that hallway, yep. too. He told the workers that he would come back and wipe out the place and get even with the company. And shortly uh, before the shooting, he told one of his aunts that he was upset about things at work and said they will get they will get payback. But as he said these things at as he said these things all the time, she didn't take the threat too seriously. Oh wow, wow! He was—I mean, he was talking he, to existence. He's, he's so dangerous and nuts that she just took that as that's just him threatening to kill somebody yeah. again. Wow. Yeah. Um. So one of the employees at Standard Graver said after the shooting, "This guy's been talking about this for a year." So I mean, he was. Yeah, yeah. This it was is, building up. This is this is different than what I'm describing. I'm describing people with mental health disorders that yeah. they can't really help and they don't they don't want to be dangerous. Yeah. If you're a person who is actively saying that you want to hurt people, yeah. then yeah, you need to be monitored and and yeah. and have some limitations about stuff you can do. And that should be something that is revealed to people uh in like a, how some how I don't think people should have to reveal their criminal history mm-hmm. if they've been to jail and served their time, but if you're a person who is actively living in the streets and you mm-hmm. and you've made threats to kill people before, that should be revealed yeah. and yeah. like wait, on a job application. I mean, that's sh- yeah, but I mean, like as far as in the workplace, that the people he's selling these people to should be letting other people know for sure that like hey, fire him, change yeah. the codes and whatnot, for sure, so he can't come sure, in and shit sure. like that. Like sure. you can't let this something like this build Nobody up for a whole year. Yeah, nobody like, took him serious. He's not going to do that. Yeah. That's just Joseph. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, not in 2019. Not now. That no. ended. That mm-hmm. ended. That yeah. ended not now. a few years ago. Because I was He's at work. He's going to do what? Oh, no, yeah. I will be here. I was at work, and a dude at my job put on a Facebook post was like, man, I, I feel like it. Or people at my job making me so mad, I could kill somebody. And the shit shut down. Yeah. We were, like, we were working with him, and it was like, he said what? And everybody was in an uproar, and he left at lunch. Where it was like, oh, shit, I, I guess I shouldn't have said that. And he deleted it and deleted like all the. And then we went into his Facebook post, and it, it was like, you know these colors don't run and blood and soil and all this kind of stuff where he's like a kind of like a, a right wing kind of mm-hmm. guy pictures of him holding guns and shit he cleared all that shit out mm-hmm. by by five o'clock that day because i guess he didn't want to have to deal with possibly losing his job he was just somebody probably called him and was like hey man 
take all that shit off your Facebook. He wiped all that shit off. But he was a strange dude, so we didn't. He still was he, he still he still works there, but people look at him a little funny oh, for definitely. sure. Like it's that wasn't funny. What's funny about that? It's not funny, man. Don't threaten to kill people. It's yeah. not a joke. Uh, and so one of the employees at Standard Gravure said after the, yeah, so after shooting that he was um, that he's been talking about this for a year. He's been talking about guns and soldier of Fortune magazines. He's paranoid and he thought everyone was after him. Mm. Three days prior to the shooting on September 11th, Westbecker told his psychiatrist that a foreman had forced Westbecker Westbecker to perform oral sex on him in front of his co-workers to get off of the folder. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, uh, he said that, he so he told his psychiatrist that a foreman had forced Westbecker to perform oral sex on him. Him, he's Westbecker. Yeah. So his foreman made him perform oral sex, what? On him. On the foreman. Yeah, in front of his co-workers that to get off of the table. That didn't I don't happen. think that happened. That didn't happen. No. It, it, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. Like, uh, that's crazy. That's that's, that's an yep. insane thing to say. Yeah. And a psychiatrist kind of has just to go, oh, wow, really? Oh, look. Um, in the notes, the psychiatrist wrote Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> this dude is this dude is delusional. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, West Becker is buried in Louisville, Louisville's Cave Hill Cemetery. But after all of that, in August 1989, less than a month before, oh, less than a month before the shooting, I'm sorry, Westbreaker had started taking Prozac. The wounded and the families of those killed filed a lawsuit against the drugs manufacturer. Mm. Um, Ellie Lilly, Ellie Lilly and company claimed that Westbreaker's use of Prozac contributed to his actions. The case went to the jury trial midway through defense. Um, testimony opened a door that would have allowed plaintiffs to make known that the jury make known to the jury that Lilly's 1985 conviction for failing to report the Federal Food and Drug Administration adverse reactions to Oroflex, another Lilly drug. The plaintiffs and Lilly then negotiated an agreement which they concealed from the from the trial judge. Okay. Yeah, Judge W. Potter. Um, the trial continued and plaintiffs never con- introduced the Presidented of the Lilly's con- conduct with the respect of Oroflex. Yeah, they broke them off. Oh, yeah, most they, definitely. They, they broke the them jury off. decided in Lilly's favor, and when plaintiffs failed to appeal, a, sus- a suspecting judge Potter uncovered that concealed uncovered the concealed agreement with unanimous with unanimous uh, authorization from Kentucky Supreme Court. He succeeded in amending the court record to show that the case was resolved by settlement rather than jury verdict. Wow. They probably all got a little six-figure, maybe seven-figure check. And that's going to... Oh. I'm not even going to... Because I could talk about Big Pharma for another 20 minutes, man. Those <laughs> companies, man. Bayer and all of these drug companies, uh, the way that they lobby to get drugs passed that have all kinds of uh, side effects that are dangerous. And then when something happens, they just settle off with the courts and, mm. and, 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 and like it never happened. People mm. getting... Uh, paralysis and uh, suicidal thoughts and mm. all these kind of things and they just somebody kills themselves and they write it off and they sign a check and pay people off and, and keep everybody quiet and they got enough money to do it man That's trillions wild. of dollars man. they got trillions of dollars so imagine you know a hundred family members or less than that sounds like from the people involved in this 50 family members all come to you to sue you and you go all of you I'll give you all five million dollars it's like I love my I love my father, my sister, my whatever, my family member who got killed. That was tragic. Five million dollars could change my life, could change our life, my whole family's life. Yeah. It really, it really, 
that's a real test for your principles, man. For me to like, I forgive you. Yeah. Basically. No, well, not even no, not even for I forgive you. I'm not gonna pursue this any further to expose you for what you are. Okay. It's all a right. real because really you could go if you really wanted to and you could lose and you could pay the you could pay the legal fees and all this kind of stuff. They got they got their money's long. Yeah. They can fight this with some person who they don't the CEO never has to come to court and you got to come with your papers and all this kind of stuff and that could go on for 30 years and at the end of that 30 years they just admit yeah you're right um our drug does kill people and it's like that happened but it, that even that just knowing that you won mm-hmm. you get nothing from that yeah. other than like you can go maybe go tell a newspaper and there'll be an article and nobody gives a shit cuz people don't care or I'll give you 5 million dollars right now to just go away it's a real test. I mean, I sometimes I sit and I think, like, man, like, you know, if if there was something done to me that couldn't be undone, could could money solve it? You know, like like is there a number where because what happened with Freddie Gray was terrible, right? His family got a check. Yeah. You know, I I you know his family got a check and shit got real quiet as far as like all the Freddie Gray chants mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's still people who are, you know think that's a tragedy and, and think that was an injustice but like his family themselves they got a little quiet yeah they got a check you know and 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 shit settled down a little bit so it's like you killed my child that's a tragedy i want the police fired i want whatever but if for the police officer in the department to go well like let's just the, the, the police officer has been moved he's not here anymore how do we get this to just go away here's 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 20 million dollars that's but to me that's just saying that's the same thing as saying okay i'll i'll forgive it's just me it's just saying i'll not forgive you but just saying okay i'll just i'll leave it alone I'll i mean it might as well be forgiveness because you're like, saying i'm gonna leave you alone yeah. i'm not gonna continue to hound you about what you did to me to my it, yeah it to is, my family to my son it is it is it is forgiveness in a sense uh, so I, it's like i don't for the 20 million dollars i'll 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 forget i'll I'll forget it. It's, it's like... Because it's, it's nothing else that can be done is right. what I mean. In a sense, like, in an instance like that, my grandmother passed away from taking your medication and now she's passed away. I'm going to sue you. Okay, well, how about instead of you sue me, I'll give you $3 million. It's like... Would I be noble and stand in my truth and, and, and defend my grandmother in that moment or would I go, wow, I mean, $3 million, I mean, that is, you know, we can bury her proper, we can give her a proper burial, we can, you know take care of ourselves which is what she would have wanted because you got to think about yeah. that kind of stuff too it's like uh, you know that's just that sounds like you just talking yourself up oh check. obviously <laughs> <laughs> obviously that's what you'd be doing that's what any person's doing in this yeah, situation uh, it's like you're gonna make it sound like it uh logically why wouldn't you take the money mm-hmm. but you are talking yourself into doing it yeah. with like excusing them yeah which if they did something terrible which is what these people if what they if, if prozac is what made that dude do that that's terrible, and they should be held accountable for that, and right. Prozac should be taken off the market. But instead of that happening, they paid everybody off, and they settled. So there weren't many people in that case that, like, fought it to the end. Uh, there was a price. Nah. There was a price. Everything has a price as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what my price is, but I know that there's a number that as I could sit here and, and try to, you know, I could sound as noble as I want to sound and, and stand on my 10 toes and nothing is worth my uh, integrity or any kind of stuff like that or what's right is right and that kind of stuff. Now, I would never do any kind of like, I would never shuck and jive or do some kind of, hey, I'm the black guy and let, let me make white people laugh by being a coon. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. That that I, I believe. I would never sell my personal integrity for money. But as far as like... uh. 
Hey man, we already discussed Virgil earlier in you know in in, in the podcast. You know, I was I was rear-ended, mm-hmm. and I could have been like your dad and been like, man, this dude is ninety billion years old. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, my back hurts a little bit, but I'm all right. I'll be okay in a week. Mm-hmm. Or I can go to call my lawyer mm-hmm. and go to the ER and get x-rayed for the history and and all that kind of stuff and i'm gonna get my money yeah and I, I you know what i chose that's the difference between roger evans sitting here and you sitting across that table well roger evans isn't sitting here because i guarantee <laughs> you if somebody rear into you you're not gonna be like hey man you know what what's done is done i know my trunk is collapsed and it's, it's stuck open i don't now, got funds like mr roger evans does so fair enough i'm just saying everything it's a price on everything that's all i'm saying that's it, it all comes full circle that's what we do here you know so i'm just saying everything has a price <laughs> on it you know uh but speaking of full circle today is the day where you will get your comeuppance. Oh, we still doing this? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we still doing this. It, it, it doesn't right. stop until the right the, the universe has to be put properly how it's supposed to be. <sighs> All right, cool. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Okay. And now it's time for True Crime's Hottest Game Show. Frazzle Friend! Frazzle friend, frazzle friend, solves a riddle like no one can. If he fails, that's okay, he's a superstar either way. Look out, it's time to frazzle friend. That's right folks, welcome to Frazzle Friend, the hottest true crime game show in all the lands. This is the game show where I try to fluster, flummox, and frazzle my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. So sir, are you ready to have your mind rocked? Yeah. With this, with this, with this frazzler, I'm about to throw right over the plate. This heater. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> a doctor and a bus driver are both in love with the same woman, an attractive girl named Sarah. The bus driver had to go on a long bus trip that would last a week. Before he left, he gave Sarah seven apples. Why? Apple a day, get the doctor's away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is fun, man. This has been another episode of uh, Affirmative Murder. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in True Crime, Francis Evans, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 